Welcome back, guys. I am Kyle Wong with the Integrity First team at Pikes Peak Dream Homes Realty. I'm Corey Martin with Bank of England Mortgage here in Denver, Colorado. Yes, sir. And this is the innovator, the imitator, and the idiot. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about first-time home buyers and some of the creative financing options, um, not just for first-time home buyers, but for everybody and, and what that looks like. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, right off the bat, a first-time home buyer—that's it's an intimidating process or it can be and there's a lot that goes into it um, both on my side and i would say on the lending side um, what would you just a quick thought what would you say is something that first-time homebuyers should have in order i think first off they should know what their job situation is that's what well, we're going to be making sure that uh, that's what we're going to use to qualify them to purchase the home um, they also need to have their credit score in order doesn't mean that they have to have perfect credit, but they need to know what their credit is. Um, we also need two years residence history and then an idea of what they need to put down for the, or what they want to put down for their down payment and should probably have a few dollars saved up as far as what we call reserves go, or that is basically a month's worth of paying your mortgage or your rent. Right. Um, I did want to back up though a little bit and talk about why this is such a big process, a big thing for them, uh, for, for first time home buyers. This is purchasing a home is probably the most important and biggest purchase of your life, right? Yeah. Uh, a it, big deal. it is a huge deal. And there's a lot that goes into it, right? There is not only, again, your residence history, your job history, uh, but also your work history, too. Oh, I'm sorry, I just said your work history. And so for us as a mortgage loan officer, we need to check all of these things to make sure that you have the ability to pay off this loan. Yeah. Um, and, and be able to repay the repay the money that we're actually lending you. Yeah, and so it is a very big deal um, for those that don't know because I want we want to keep this as bottom shelf as possible in my opinion. Um, so what it is is you know you go to buy a house as a borrower right as the buyer and the bank goes through that information to ensure that you can repay the loan. And the more money you put down is essentially the more skin in the game that you have. Correct. Right? And so you can either go in with a lot of skin in the game, mm -hmm. have a lot of equity up front, or you could be considered what's a little more risky, right, Correct. for the bank. And uh, what they do is they use the house or the townhouse or the condo as collateral if anything were to go sideways, right? Correct. So let's say you default on your payments and they say, all right, we're done. We're breaking out of this with you since you defaulted. We're going to take the home back, essentially. Correct. And so what they want to do is they want to make sure that that home is at that value that they're loaning it to you for. Um, appraisal is that process. And the reason why that's important is because as a first time home buyer, um, well, as any buyer coming out of the super hot seller's market that we just saw, what would happen was, let's just say a home was listed for 600K. Mm -hmm. um, they would get multiple offers and somebody submits an offer for 650, 700, yep. right? If the house is only valued or appraises by the bank, at 600, 610, 615, what ends up happening is either that seller has to lower that price or the buyer has to come up with it. So it's very important to keep that in mind when you're just throwing offers out there because not only are you involved 
uh, but the bank is, and they want to make sure that they're getting what they're going to, you know, get out of the deal. So absolutely. It comes down to, Hey, look, we're going to lend you this money. And if for whatever reason you're unable to repay that money, how do we get our money back? Right. How do we get our, how do we recoup this, uh, this money that we just lent out to you? And so that's the beginning. That's, that's what makes this process, uh, what may seem like a lot to your first time home buyer. But again, it's the first and most, it's the most important purchase of your life. And to me, it is the first step to building financial stability and financial wealth. What's that stat about 90% of millions? Billionaires build their wealth through real estate. Build build their wealth through real. Correct. Yeah. I and think a it very is high percentage starts with buying their first personal home. Right? Yeah, correct. Residence. Correct. Yeah. I think the number is ninety. And what I'll say to the, is, uh, what I say to all of my clients: if you look around uh, to your most financial financially stable friends mm-hmm. or the people who have the things that you want, right? As far as housing goes, they all own a home. Yeah, there's uh, not one millionaire uh, or one person who, you know, has the financial stability that we're looking for, who's renting an apartment. Right. <laughs> why would they? And, and one thing I say to keep it really simple is like, think about it this way. You have to live some, somewhere no matter what. Correct. So either you're going to pay your landlord or whoever you're renting from, or you're going to be putting money into what I would like to call like your own little savings account. Exactly. Because like I said, if you're going to have to live somewhere, you might as well put it back into something that you can pull out of later when you go to sell the house or if it appreciates, you know, that equity and that value builds up. So um, I think that's important to keep in mind because people always go back to renting and you know everybody gets caught up in the shiny things understandably so sometimes you get better amenities or maybe better location for a better price uh but keeping in in mind the long-term goals and you know everybody says the the term generational wealth um you're not going to be building generational wealth by paying your landlord i'll just say that yep that's it that's it that's it and so going back to what a homeowner needs to uh to purchase their first home i think that there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what's required to purchase a home i think the first thing that we should start with is their credit score. Yeah. Most people that are in the market to purchase a home or thinking about purchase a home, you know, a lot of times I have this conversation, I'll be ready next year once I fix my credit. Mm. And I just ask, well, what's your credit score? Many times borrowers don't know. Uh, or they may be may, they may be pulling a credit score that they are seeing off of Credit Karma or any of the other uh, websites out there. And what I'd caution, what I say to all of those clients of mine is that you need to go on and go on to myfreecreditreport.com and get your actual credit yes. report. Yeah, uh, and the, I think you can pull that once a year, right? Yep, you get it yeah. once a year, and it's for free. So it doesn't cost you anything. And it's really an important thing to look at because what Credit Karma or I forget the some of the other uh, credit credit free credit websites out there. What these free credit websites do is they are pulling information from whoever they have relationships with. And for us as the bank, we are looking at your credit from all three of the major credit bureaus. There's Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And so uh, what Credit Karma may be seeing and reporting may be different from what we, the bank or the lender, is actually seeing. And so there could be a discrepancy there. And that discrepancy could cost you points on your interest rates or it could qualify you to purchase a home that you may not have thought that you were able to purchase. Yeah. Um, 
credit score is kind of king when it comes to borrowing. Everybody knows that like for, for, for cars, but also for buying a home. Like it makes, it can make a very big difference on your loan. And so it's very important to get that right. And yeah. then second is I would say, um, you know, do you, what kind of down payment do you have? Yeah. Right? Because when closing on a house, and I think this is probably the biggest factor, one of the bigger factors that with credit score is what keeps people away from buying a home is because they say, well, I don't have enough money. It costs a lot. It can. I'll just say that. It certainly can. If you want to throw up, you know, 20% right off the bat into the house, plus cover all your closing costs with no programs. And we're going to go into that a little bit later about creative programs and financing and how we can kind of divvy up money. Um, closing can, can be expensive. Um, what would you estimate is the general percentage of closing costs with a down payment at closing for a house? I think they, they gave like a general rule of like, 10% at closing at least. Yeah, it does. It varies, right? It varies yeah. from state to state. It varies from loan amount to loan amount. Yeah, um, so. yeah it, it does vary. Uh, but the down payment, the closing cost conversation is something that your loan officers should be having with you. There's there's room there. Yeah. Uh, being able to go into a home as a first time home buyer and putting down 3% versus 5% versus 10% versus 20%. Yep. Uh, 3% is the minimum down payment for a conventional loan. Uh, that said though, when you put down 20%, you're able to remove mortgage insurance, which is basically the bank's insurance for, uh, for you to lend the money. Yep. And so if you put down 20%, while that may cost more for you up front, what that does for you is it allows also allows you to pay more towards your principal or towards your loan balance yep. throughout the uh, throughout the life of the loan. And so there's a conversation to be had there. Is it 3%? Is it 20%? Right. Uh, what about our reserves? Does If we put down 20%, does that knock out yeah, our definitely. reserves? Yeah. And one thing really quick is I have a lot of people that say like, well, I, I want to uh, wait to buy for another year or two when I can get 20% down. And, uh, you know, the market's a little better. The market's another conversation. Um, but some people, or, or when they say, I, I'm going to have more money to be made. Um, a couple of factors that are really important to remember, especially in a uh, recessionary period, is that the best hedge against inflation is, is putting your money into something that won't be affected by it. And that's a whole complex topic. But if you, I'm sure everybody's heard of like, oh, my grandma bought this house back in 1965 for $18,000. And, you know, obviously interest rates were very different back then. And that's another part of the conversation. Uh, but yeah, you hear about those 300, 400, 500, you know, $1,500 payments on those big houses. And you're like, well, that was a different time. Well, think about it because in 15, 20, 30 years, we're going to be hearing about $10,000 monthly payments like it's no big deal. And uh, you want to lock that in, right? So one is a, a big thing is a hedge against inflation. Um, but what, what else? What else? Yeah. Well, I want to unpack what you just said. And so for the borrower, you have, let's say you're, you're in a situation where um, you could put down 5% for a home right now, yeah. or in a year, you could put down... 20%, just make it even and, and big, big numbers mm -hmm. there. Well, if you wait a year, you, that's great. You could be knocking out more of your principal with that 20% down and you'd be knocking out, uh, you'd be knocking out mortgage insurance. Right. Also, what'll happen in that year though, is that the price of housing will go up. 
Uh, and we could also see interest rates vary. Uh, and we could also see more, a more competitive market. And so what you could be with the same house that's $500,000 in 2022 could actually be, could actually end up costing you 550 or even right. 600 in, uh, in 2023. And so that 20% of $500,000 is not, is no longer 20%. Right. Uh, and, and one more thing to add to that too is the fact that if you don't have a house currently, you're also paying however much it is in rent every single month until you save up that 20%, exactly. which again is less valuable than it would be this year. Exactly. Something to keep in mind. Exactly. And so it's a conversation to be had, right? If, uh, if you're, if you're going to go from 20, if you're 20% in 2022, uh, it's actually 25% in 2023, then maybe it makes sense. But if you don't anticipate that you're going to be able to increase your ability to put down payment down, um, you know, uh, by a large amount, a large amount, and over the next year, then maybe you do look to buy uh, buy now, and you know, then refinance or whatever the case is, or just know that hey, look, you got it to the market for, at a good time, and yeah. now you know that your housing payment is a little bit lower than what it would have been if yeah. you bought it a year from now. And you're building equity, and, and that's the thing is, is people tend to forget, like, well, you know, what about the, what about what about the market? What if it crashes? Well, for most people, they only stay in their house five to seven years. Yes. is I think that's the current stat. Um, and so, you know, let's say you bought at the bottom and you had a very, uh, you know, high inflationary market and it was crazy and it was hot. And then, oh, wait, oh, wait, yeah, you bought at the top, mm -hmm. right? Over the course of two to three years, it bottoms out. Um, statistically, you should still be able to break even, but the truth is I always ask people this, right? We we're talking about this earlier. Keep it really simple. Um, do you want to buy? Can you afford to do so? Because I never want people to be house poor and not be able to afford the house and feel like they can't go to dinner that Friday after to celebrate. Uh, but at the same time, you have to consider where is your money going? Um, because again, you're always going to have to be in a house. You're going, always going to have to live somewhere. So either it's going to go back into your pocket or it's going to go into somebody else's. And the truth of the matter is, you know, if you're just buying a house and you say, you know what, I'm going to stay here, I'm going to live here forever, this is great, then that's fine. It doesn't matter if it tanks to zero the next day, you're not selling it, right? Same with stocks, same with anything else. Um, but for those people who are concerned about uh, buying and then, you know, the, the bottom falling out and everything, um, I always ask why. You know, what, what is a concern in that? Because nobody wants to get into something, spend a lot of money, and then realize the next day it's valueless, right? But the truth is, are you considering selling in two years? And there are some good examples of that because people will move around for work or a big one here in Colorado is military, right? We have Correct. a big military presence. So if that is a concern, that does make more sense. Um, but you have to consider, again, having that financial conversation with somebody like the, the lender that knows your situation and kind of can time things a little bit better than the average consumer. Not just listening to Zillow and Redfin on every <laughs> scary article that they write. Right, right, right. You know, I think that's it, that you hit the nail on the head. Consult with your lender, consult with your local yeah. expert. Uh, and from there, you should be able to get advice on not just what's going, uh, not, not just your situation, but how your situation is infected, is, is affected by the market. Right. Um, the, the biggest thing here is that it's impossible to time the market perfectly. What ends up happening is people get lucky. But the best time to purchase a home is when you can. 
Yeah. And, and, and as soon as possible. Right. Uh, you know, throughout history, um, real estate has not depreciated oh, throughout the whole, throughout the whole real estate does not depreciate. It's not a depreciating asset. And so if you're able to afford to purchase a home and you have the reasoning to, meaning you're going to continue to live, <laughs> then you should, uh, you should be purchasing a home. Um, when we're talking about timing the market, there one thing that's interesting about timing the market is the programs that's available to the market, right? Yeah. Um, recently, we've seen an uh, a into influx of new products to combat the or work with rising interest rates. Uh, two of the products that we've seen uh, come back into the market have been ARM loans, yep. an adjustable rate mortgage, mm -hmm. or two one buy downs. And I think a two one buy down for me is probably one of the best options out there for our market because yeah. it allows the, the seller to keep their home at the price that they feel it's worth while also being able to give some relief to the borrower uh, in a market where we have high interest rates. Yeah, it kind of allows them to like step up into their payments a little bit and kind of eases that financial pain at the beginning, if you will. Exactly. And so what a 2-1 buy down is, is it is a seller concession. So when you list, when a seller lists their home for, uh, for sale, they will uh, list it at a certain price. And then if they are super nice <laughs> and want to move their home quickly, they may offer a seller concession. Uh, in this case, it is a lump, it is a um, amount of money that is the seller is agreeing to pay at closing. In the case of the 2-1 buy down, the seller concession is used to buy down the, the borrower's interest rate for the first year and the second year. That's uh, So the two part of the 2-1 buy down is that we're going to buy down the interest rates two points mm -hmm. from the qualifying rate. And then the one part of it is it's going to be one point from the qualifying rate. So let's say that your interest rate is 6% and you uh, you go under contract with a bar or with a seller who's offering a 2-1 buy down. That means that your 6% interest rate is actually going to be 4% for the first year and then 1% for the next for the second year. And then in the third year, it goes up to 6%. Yeah. Um, again, it allows the seller to wait four, five, and six, right? Yep, four, five, yeah. and six. Yeah. Correct. Yep, yeah. four, five. I don't. I don't think. I don't know if I said that correctly, but that's, that's what the okay. interest rate will be. It'll be yeah. four, five, and six. Um, for the, in the seller's case, this allows them to not cut the price of their home, mm -hmm. but also incentivize people to come take a look at it and maybe get people into the home that uh, maybe weren't looking at it. Yeah. Uh, for the seller, for the buyer they feel like they're getting a great deal and that the interest rate is not super high when they get into the house uh, and they can gradually ease into the uh, ease into the interest rate that they qualified for. Right. Yeah. And uh, we've actually been seeing that quite a bit recently. Um, seller concessions, you know, 5k at closing or two on buy down, things like that. And, you know, like Corey was saying that seller concession is once the home sells buying party, selling party, you know, they have the proceeds that go to the seller. And then out of those proceeds, it's the excess. That's what would end up going back to the buyer for things like, you know, just 5K at closing, which is a really good example for, you know, for negotiating. That's actually a really good one. I think on the buyer's end is, you know, let's say they qualify for 495, but the house is 500. Submit the offer for 500. 
um, and ask for a, a 5K seller concession or, or something along those lines, right? There's always ways you can kind of work around it. And uh, let's, let's just go backtrack like a year or two. Um, I saw a bunch of uh, programs where, because people got really creative in such a hot market um, where they would have a house they wanted to sell and buy another house in, let's say, the same market or another similarly hot yeah. market, yeah. but they just couldn't lock down a contract reasonably because having, you know, a house, you know, having a buying, let me back up, buying a house with a contingency is extremely difficult. Those right. offers are considered unattractive, um, and so they they don't often get accepted in those kinds of markets. And so they're risky, right? They're risky right. because it's contingent on something else that the the seller doesn't yeah, have any control out of their control and so you know you would see what uh what was called bridge loans which again are not something new but it would bridge that gap so the lender was taking a very big risk and they were saying all right we'll loan you the money for the second house while you still own the first house yeah however you know if in six months that doesn't sell we're going to charge a crazy exorbitant uh interest rate essentially is is what's going on and um, what, what about for example let's just say teachers or uh, first responders I'm sure you saw a couple of like you know we'll give you cash at closing that kind of stuff what does that look like I'm sorry for first responders and for teachers yeah, like during COVID in particular we saw a, a couple lenders doing things like that absolutely no there's uh, there's several programs out there uh, specifically for first responders for uh, for teachers and I highly 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 encourage you to speak with your lender about those programs for example we have a, uh, a policy where we can get appraisals waived for for teachers. Yeah, uh, and so that's something that I definitely recommend you speak with your uh, with your lender about and with your uh, with your agent about as well. Um, you know, along with programs, I wanted to mention. So there's the two one buy down. There's the uh, the arm that is uh, that's come around for the uh, for timing the market and specifically where we're at. But there's also programs that have. Uh, been around for forever, right? That are so important to that first time home buyer, specifically down payment assistance. Yeah. Uh, so going back to a point that Kyle made a little bit earlier, um, one of the, the biggest objections or uh, hurdles to cross for a first time home buyer is coming up with a down payment. Right. Um, you know, coming up with 15,000, 20,000, 25,000. Sure. Cause that's a large amount of money. 30,000 no like, to, to, to anybody, to anybody, to no yeah. matter where you are in our, um, in our country, no matter what your socioeconomic status is yeah. or what, what tax bracket you fall in. Yeah. 30 grand is a lot of money. Most people are not willing to willy nilly. Oh, 30 K. There you go, sir. So, right. Right. And yeah. so that is a big challenge for many, uh, many for, excuse me, first time home buyers. And here in Colorado, specifically in a metro area, we have two programs that are really, really popular and have specifically been designed to help first-time home buyers get into their home and start building that generational wealth. Uh, that's Metro DPA and Chaffa. Uh, both of those programs have been around for a long time. And again, these programs uh, were created to specifically help get first time home buyers into their first home. Um, what these programs do is after you have taken or uh, contingent on the home passing certain inspection requirements and contingent on you taking a first time home buyer class, they will either gift you the amount for uh, give gift you the the three percent or five percent uh, or even six percent for your down payment mm -hmm. 
or there'll be a, uh, we'll call it a second loan that you don't necessarily have to pay on for uh for the the first uh for for your first time home buyer and so what this does is it allows folks that maybe weren't able to qualify or maybe didn't have the 15 grand to purchase they can get a go in and purchase a home and still not have their housing ratio be thrown out of whack because they're taking a second loan right. there yeah. this is huge and i can't tell you the uh the importance of this for these two programs and the lives that they've changed over the years yeah and that is very important i'm glad you mentioned kind of the differences between between the two um like between gifting and and the second loan because i'm not sure how much you've seen this but i've seen this quite a few times where you know in the super hot market people are willing to do just about anything to get into a home and while getting creative is good and while we want to help people start that journey we want it to be the responsible decision we want right. it to be the right decision and right. so you know I, I don't know about you again but sometimes they had these kind of like first-time homebuyer programs like look at this this is great like I'm sure you've heard this where people are like well they're cheaper they can just do the same thing but cheaper I'm usually a little bit hesitant about things like that because the truth is, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Right. And um, you want to ask, why is it so much cheaper? Am right. I buying points down to? Am, am I, you know, am I paying points to buy down the loan? Is that why they're so much cheaper? Yep. Or you know, vice versa. Um, and it's very important to remember that because some of those first-time homebuyer programs, what they would do is it's almost predatory in, in, in my opinion, because again, our biggest role is to educate and to help people. Right. And so if it's not the right decision, I don't care, you know, if you're getting into the house or not, if it's not the right thing to do, then we're not going to do that. Yep. And so um, what they would do is, is um, have these first time home buyer things, send it everywhere, like use this, you can get to a home with zero dollars, whatever, all this stuff. And um, they would make it all glitz and glam and look so good. But what would happen is they actually rolled all the cost into the loan. Yeah. And so you're not paying for it up front, but you are paying for it. And so it would end up in like ridiculously high payments or really bad terms. For example, if you sell the house within 10 years, then you're going to have to pay all that back at that closing. Yep. And it's like, Ooh, you know, if I know that up front, cause if you know that and you go into it, that's fine. Right, right. Um, but if, if you don't know that up front, that can be really dangerous. So, so that's our big thing here is we want to educate you guys as our clients. Um, and just as the general public, we don't want people getting into bad situations and having issues just because it looked good at first. I think that's uh, that's a great practice. What you're talking about is great practice for not only first time home buyers, but second time home buyers. Yeah. Third right. investment properties. Right. Get a second opinion if it looks if it if it looks too good to be true. If it doesn't pass the smell test. Mm -hmm. What Kyle's talking about is how. Um, it, it is predatory and there are some laws and rules and regulations against predatory lending where you introduce a um, you introduce a great product or introduce a great situation where a borrower may seem like the, to the borrower it may seem like a right. much lower cost or a much lower hurdle to get into a home mm -hmm. for example one lenders quoting you $15,000 at closing cost and this other lender is quoting you three grand at closing mm -hmm. and you're why why is there such a big gap I mean if I can get into the home for three grand versus 15 grand 
I'm going to take the three grand. Right, right. But in these cases, and I've seen this happen before, what ends up happening is, like you said, you're buying down um, your 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 appraisal and your um, so many of the, of the other costs are actually rolled into the loan. And so the lender who is offering the $15,000, you know, closing costs, um, their actual monthly payment is lower by a lot than the company, than the lender that's offering the $2,000 or $3,000 closing costs. And so again, it just makes sense to get a second opinion. Grab the LE, the loan estimate that the uh, lender is presenting you and say, Hey, thanks. I'm going to go ahead and take this and, and, you know, have someone look over this. And if it passes the smell test, great. If it doesn't, then you've got another lender there, another person that's available to you to make sure that you're not paying for something that you shouldn't pay for. I always say do the research as the consumer and as the client, but don't do the heavy lifting. Like I'm here to do, you know, the searching, the market research, the, all that stuff. And you're here to do all the finances. You shouldn't have to do that. But there is nothing wrong with talking to somebody else, you know, talking to my team, talk, you know, looking up things to make sure that, hey, I want to make sure everything's done right. Yeah. Because unfortunately, not everybody operates off the same moral standards. We know this. It's unfortunate. It kind of sucks. Um, but it's true. We want to make sure that at the end of the day, you are making the right decision and it's responsible and you are getting what you want. Yeah. I think at the end, it's, it's about leveraging your resources. Yeah. And throughout this real estate process, a real estate purchasing process, leverage your resources. You've got an agent that's available mm-hmm. to you to not only make sure that uh, your pricing is it works great, uh, you know, your offer, you know, looks great, uh, but also your agent has great relationships with multiple lenders. And so if you're getting a quote from a lender who doesn't just doesn't feel good, go ahead and ask your agent for another lender. Yeah. Uh, and, and the same goes for your lender. If you don't feel like you're getting, uh, you don't feel like you're getting the, the, uh, information that you need from your agent. Um, it's a little bit trickier, but yeah. you know, well, ask, ask around, man, Until ask you're around. locked into something, you're not locked into anything. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and absolutely. One, one more quick thing I wanted to mention about the uh, the loans and stuff is is you know as heartbreaking and as unfortunate as it is, we see that a lot with veterans and VA right. loans in particular because you know the the VA assistance programs that they have can be some of the best. Yeah. Right. As for loan terms and getting into a home for the lowest cost, um, and and rightfully so. Like thank you to our veterans. Uh, we support and appreciate our veterans. Um, but unfortunately, there's just not a lot of education around that right. because if you're getting, for example, if you're getting somebody into a home, no matter what, but they can't afford it and within two years they default, I would say that's a pretty bad deal. Yeah. Maybe you got paid off it. Maybe that's what you're looking for, but that's a pretty bad deal if you're looking out for the client. And so, you know, those are the things that we want to warn people against. There are great programs. We can almost always make it happen within your your terms, but we're going to tell you up front hear the side effects. There's always consequences to everything, no matter what an opportunity costs. So, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you just do have to wait, that's fine. I I want us to be the first ones to tell you that as opposed to like some scary article or like the guy Rob down the road, you know, sorry if your name Rob, but (laughs) you know, like everybody's got an opinion about it. uh, But as professionals, that's what we want to do. That's why we're doing this is is we want to educate you. We want you to know, and you make the decision. Yeah, I I think that's uh, I I think that's kind of like our, our, um, you know, way of operating is give folks the resources and the information that they need to make 
good, yes. strong decisions. That's yes. why we started here. You know, um, going along those lines, you know, the, Kyle mentioned the VA program is a, is a great program for uh, for folks getting into their home for the first time. That's specifically for veterans. Mm-hmm. That said, there are other great programs to help you get into a home for the first time. Yeah. Uh, FHA loans are wonderful loans, and they have a lower credit minimum credit score requirement than mm-hmm. some of the other conventional loan programs. Um, another, another way to get into a home could be... Uh, uh, using it as a rental property or, you know, buying a townhome or duplex and using yeah. the rental income from one side of the property to actually get you uh, to purchase the home altogether. Yep. And so there's uh, there's there's programs out there that can qualify you based off of your bank statements. If you're not a person who um, claims a lot of income on your taxes, there are programs out there that can qualify you based off of the uh, ability to rent the property. Uh, there's there's multiple programs out there. And so, again, the idea is that if you are thinking about it, you can afford it, reach out to a local lender and get the information you need to make a strong decision on whether or not to now's the right time. Yeah. And it never hurts to ask. So it never hurts to ask. And, and with that said, uh, in any market, no matter you're the first, whether you're the first time home buyer third time home buyer, this is your investment property, there will always be an innovator, an imitator, and the idiot. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. My name is Corey Martin. I'm with Bank of England Mortgage here in Denver, Colorado. If you've got any questions about personal finance or about youth football or about quarter zips, <laughs> please don't have, hesitate to reach out to me. I'm Corey Martin on Facebook and at Mortgage Consultant 5280 on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm Kyle Wong with the Integrity First team at Pikes Peak Dream Homes Realty. If you have any questions regarding real estate or real estate related business, feel free to reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at Realtor Wong or my website at Pikes Peak Dream Home Realty, Pikes Peak Dream Homes Realty.com. I'll link it below. Anyways, thanks guys. Thanks.